What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. This is Byron Lazine. And for the second time on my podcast, I think you're the first repeat guest of all time. We've got Tom Tool here. Our first podcast that we did together, I think, was in August because it was right at the Tom Ferry Summit in yes. Anaheim. So it was definitely August. And here we are in New York getting ready for Sales Edge tomorrow. I think you're jumping on. What's your panel going to be on tomorrow? So if I sat here and told you I knew exactly what it was yeah. on, I'd be lying to you. Yeah, yeah. But what, what I do know is that uh, I am on. It's going to be the best panel. It's about, I don't know about that, but it's about prospecting is what I've been told. Okay. So something right in my, my wheelhouse there. So if you're not familiar with Tom, definitely look him up. We're going to link up his YouTube channel in the description here if you're on YouTube. Uh, I guess if you're on Facebook, you're just going to have to Google that. Uh, what is the YouTube channel? Uh, Tom Tool. Okay, we're linking it up. Tom Tool is how you're going to search it. <laughs> but Tom's the guy who has massive numbers in this industry. He also speaks at a lot of panels, a lot of different events. He gets out there, goes to a lot of different conferences. So really, and a good friend of mine. So pumped that we're sure. able to, to do this. Every time we get together, we talk a lot anyways. We're always kind of talking about what's happening in this in the in the industry like these big changes even since we did this podcast a lot has changed since august since the last time we sat down and did one of these yeah we were before we started filming here and recording we were thinking what are the biggest stories in real estate right now and and one of them is the the amount of tech money coming in to these yeah. acquisitions and it's literally like every week somebody's buying somebody there's a merger i mean it, and there's all these changes happening, as well as a lot of movement from agents between brokerages, not the lower level people, but like A players that, and I'm kind of surprised it's happened and it's really accelerated since we last did the podcast back in August. Yeah. Clearly the biggest acquisition as of late is the contactually yep. acquisition 50 million, or it could be more certainly. I want to pick your brain on a couple of, of the main bullet points that people keep talking about on the contactually acquisition. One being agents that are nervous that are using contactually that all of a sudden Compass is going to steal all their leads and, and start marketing to their past clients. What's your take on that? So th there's no way that's going to happen. I mean, yeah. I, I, or the company's out of business. I mean, that that's that. Um, it's I think it's a natural fear for a lot of agents to feel that way because they're saying, wow, why is my service being bought by somebody else. But the reality is there's a lot of services that are shared across platforms. Uh, Berkshire Hathaway CEO came out and said, hey, we've been developing something and other people use it as well. I don't remember the piece of tech because there's so many of them out there. There's there's no way. I mean, they have terms of service. They have contracts. It'd be a massive lawsuit. Yeah. I mean, sure, could it, could it happen? Absolutely. Do I think it's going to happen? Not not even close. I mean, to me, that was a ridiculous one. Just really the emotions of like, oh, my gosh. Cause, <laughs> because maybe Compass has moved into you know, that market, the, the agent that's, you know, pissed off about that. Yeah, I, I agree taken with that. Yeah. You know, they, they, or they've taken agents and, and so on and so forth. So I'm not worried about that. I use Contactually. I really like it. I like it a lot. I think I think it's really user-friendly. It sucks data out of your email, and out of your phone, which is, I, I think, you know, I think it's really good. And even if Compass was going to, like, be really shady and start stealing the contacts, it's like, okay, I'm actually one of the people that uses my CRM. Yeah. So I'm not worried about it in the sense because I'm touching my clients, mm -hmm. I'm talking to them, I'm, I'm making the calls. What about Compass fronting as this huge tech company, tech first, we're a tech company before we're real estate, and then going out and buying a, a CRM? Well, that, that was the part I found kind of interesting because right now all they talk about is our tech is great. I know people that work at Compass in the tech department. 
and they're trying to sell me on it. And I said, you know what? I'm, I'm pretty sure I got my tech for my team under control. Uh, but then they go and buy something. So why wouldn't they develop their own if they're that tech savvy? And then you get Keller Williams telling everyone they have AI. I mean, their version of AI is like Siri for real estate, not yeah. AI like the the movie or th that that sort of stuff. So there's so much being AI is around. not at scale in real estate. It's not. I mean, it's not even close. It's no different than the Alexa Flash. I don't even know what it's called. Like we have an for the five AM call. Yes, that's what I'm talking. We about. have an Alexa uh, Alexa skill. That's it. Okay. And that is technically a form of AI. Or we have an Alexa Flash briefing. Actually, not a skill. A skill on a flash briefing is basically a form of, of AI. I think a lower level form, but right. And so when people hear the the catchword AI, they're thinking a lot of times, you know, some type of virtual walkthrough of a space or a model home or whatever. That is not at scale anywhere with any brokerage yeah, in real it's, estate. It's no different than these um these these autoresponders that are out there for for leads yeah. to come in. I mean, it's. It's, it's a level. It's just so broadly defined right now. When people say AI, they're saying it to get people talking about it, which is good. For, hey, we're talking about it, right? Absolutely. So obviously it, it worked on that level. Uh, I, you know, with, with tech and real estate, I'm clear that it, it it's like the new recruiting pitch. Yeah, like, you mentioned that earlier. I think that's a good call. Because everyone's saying we got the best tech. Well, the reality is Remax has the same tech that Codal Banker does, that Keller Williams does, that Compass, whoever – Maybe one's a little better than the other, but how much better could it really be? And you're a Remax agent, by the way. Yeah, so you're not just sitting here talking about. And Remax isn't really. I mean, I couldn't even tell you what like their recommended stuff is. I'm a I'm a Boomtown user. That's third party, no affiliation, um, and we're way too deep in it now to change. I mean, there's so much. Once you adopt a CRM, it's 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 hard to make a make a change like what, that. What's your thoughts on that? Because you and I both know real estate is going to change a lot over the next 10, 20 years, five years even. Mm -hmm. And you're so used to just said it, you're so deep in Boomtown. Is there an easy way for you to escape if there's an obvious better option? Right now, I would say there's not an obvious better option. But what if one be becomes the better option? I mean, you, you can get out. I mean, I, I just I think it's when I say it's it's, it's too, a lot of work it's for too you. Deep. Well, it's, it's not only just learning the systems one. Right, because it's always easier to use the the system you know. Like we changed from DocuSign to Dot Loop, and that was a little painful, but it was mm -hmm. so much better. And it integrated. We didn't have to have ten logins; we only had to have like eight, which is to me helpful um, and to our agents helpful. So, in that regard, we can get out. But then you got to train everyone. Yeah. Our, our team's bigger than it was when we adopted Boomtown. So the training, the time spent there, I'm looking at. We could be selling houses during that time, so maybe that's where. I'm not a great person to talk to, but the, you, you can definitely get out. I just don't – something would have to be dramatically better for me to make Game a move. Game that, That's my point because otherwise they're all pretty much yeah, the we, same. We have Firepoint, which the founders of Firepoint basically left Boomtown to start Firepoint and kind of ripped off what they were doing. And we got into Firepoint because the price point at the time – was so juicy. It was like, yeah, okay, great. And you have a lot of the same things. Boom. And then what'd they do? They just brought the price now basically up to where Boomtown is. And it's like, eh, I should have bit the bullet in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and they're, they're, they're pretty good too. But yeah, to your point, would I shift over to Boomtown? No, because it's more of a lateral move. And you wouldn't shift out of Boomtown to Firepoint or to Sync or any of these other, you know, uh, website CRMs unless something just becomes so obvious that you have to, and everybody's killing it in this current system. And sometimes, I mean, we recently switched a, a platform that we use for some, some lead follow-up and everyone was telling me it was great. I think it sucks. It hasn't done anything for us. We should have just stuck what we had the first time. I mean, it's, 
you don't really know what's going to happen until you use it because just because it works for it, someone yeah. doesn't mean it works for somebody somebody else. And every team's different. You know, we call text email a lot. We have drips you can put people on. Maybe we don't need that super crazy high-end lead follow-up piece. We could do something that's a little simpler. So I don't find, and, and I know you mentioned earlier, like that's the new recruiting pitch, the, the tech uh the tech thing. And it, and it probably certainly is a recruiting pitch to get them hooked in and, and then they finally get in the door. But once they get in and realize, Oh, I've actually got to work all the tech. Like I've got to be the one that works the CRM. I've got to be, you know, be the one doing all this. So as that phase kind of passes on, what's going to be the pitch to recruit agents? I think I know what it is, but I'd love to hear kind of your thoughts on, on how you should be recruiting agents Especially if you're a team and it's not tech-based, what should be your pitch to recruit agents? So, I mean, I always go back to the basics. That's been a theme for our uh, team this year. And some of the people that haven't worked out, they didn't want to commit to those basics, which is showing up and making calls every day and doing role play and doing it together and hearing each other and even covering for each other a little bit. You know, coming to events like we're at right now where it's a three-day sales skill seminar, people think you can just get on the phone and set appointments. Right. It is way tougher doing that than it is adopting a new piece of tech. There is no question. And now that the market's not as good as it was the past five years, those people that don't spend time on their skills, they're going to get put out of business or they're going to, they're going to lose market share. I think you're, I think actually showing an agent what you're talking about, that we've got real training in here. We've, we've got real things happening inside of our doors to help you get to the next level. Absolutely. But then the other big one, that I, I believe in a lot. And certainly I even see, I think it was, maybe it was a rheology brand. So somebody started this way where they did a marketing concierge. It was a rheology brand, Coldwell Banker. Mm -hmm. I see giving them the keys to their personal brand as really the way to recruit agents over this next five year window. Certainly as the market continues to soften because if they can build personal brand over the next five years, that's planting a seed that's going to grow for the next 20. Well, we're doing the same thing where we're sitting here doing a podcast, right? So instead of just having our video shows that we do for our team and everything else, just, just, it's never been just about me, but we have our other agents in there. We're yeah. showcasing them because that's the people the consumers working with. So if they don't have the right amount of Zillow reviews, and they can't go online and see some video work from them and build up their personal brand. Like, we know how to do it. It's documented. It's proven. You know, they're not going to be able to continue to grow their business because the longer you work, there's more business that comes from different areas. And a lot of it's, I mean, this is all part of an online online resume. And, I mean, you and I, are we're going to try to hack the system. One, we don't get a lot of, like, time where we're hanging out together. That is so true, yeah. you and I are going to try to always hack the system of, like, okay, we're going to have this conversation anyways we might as well record it exactly. and, and put it out there as a piece of content. I don't think enough agents, whether you're you know, building a personal brand or just focus on community brand or whatever, are doing enough of that. Like, How can I take the time that I'm going to spend somewhere anyway, record it, and distribute a as content? It's, I mean, that's, that's the game right now. I mean, it's document, don't create. I mean, we have these conversations all the time. Go through our text string, there's maybe a couple, you know, a couple jokes in there, some sports talk, and then it's like real estate. And that's the majority of it. Um, and and kind of to your point where I'll take it one step further where some of this training needs to happen. Like not enough agents are doing these, hey, I've got a hot buyer video 
in, in your neighborhood. Yeah, you're doing a I've lot of those. A we're not doing enough of them. We're not doing enough of them, but we're doing some. And part of it is, you know, I'm, I'm not working with all these people, so I've got to train our other people to do it. But every time they do one, they get better. They get more confident. And they want to do it again and again. And open house videos, those same things, those quick minute-long things you can advertise. Yeah. There is no better way to get people to feel like they can trust you if they hear what you're talking about and you're appearing in front of them consistently. Yeah, I was talking to Lee, who Lee's on, he's back over here on on our team in Connecticut about some of the live videos. There you go, Lee. And nobody can see you from over here, but anyways. From behind the curtain. Lee's doing, Lee's, I can see you. I can see you. Uh, doing a lot of these live videos on his Facebook personal page. Personal. And, it's got to be personal. And and people are saying, hey, love what you're doing. You're putting out content all the time. And I told him, I said, this is going to get you massive referrals. Because all these people that see your video week after week, it is going to be the repetition of them seeing you talk about real estate. And the minute they're at a group, you know, group of friends and they're all having coffee and they're all having drinks and somebody says, I want to sell my house. It's going to just naturally flow out of their mouth if they've been watching your videos. Hey, you got to talk to Lay. You, you should call Lay because they've seen you time and time again. Delivering value. That's a difference. Exactly. I see so many Got to deliver value. They have freaking memes up. I mean, of like, hey, you should have like some stupid joke. They have the, hey, great news. I just sold five houses today. Nobody cares about that. Yeah. They want to know what you know about the real estate market and how you can deliver value. And the more information you can share with the consumer, the more they're going to trust you. I'm a massive fan, and he's a friend of mine, of The Broke Agent. I, we, so our Tool Time show, we've talked about his book this week, so I'm, I'm pretty pretty excited about it. Oh, that. I was supposed to review his book on The Real World, and I never read yeah, it, well, so I, never, I didn't get around to the review. Our question was, would you read it? That was the, or are you going to buy it, I think was the better one. But he's, he's, a, he's a really good friend. He's a great guy. My, my point about this is there are a lot of agents, when you said memes, there are a lot of agents taking his memes and reposting them about, you know, it's it's a way he's putting out content for an agent to let off steam on the frustration yeah, of the deal is, is the real estate community, not the consumers. And then when you do that, you make light of the struggles that they are having. And then the consumer gets pissed. That's not a good way to produce content. Like the bird box one. Everyone posted that thing. What it's like when you don't know what's going on in a transaction. Yeah. You know what? It's not like Bird Box. You're pissed off. You're upset. You feel like you're spending a lot of money, and you don't know what you're doing, and you're going through a ton of anxiety. You don't have some monster trying to kill you. So it, it's just it's insane to me how light people make of the situation because the customer deserves better from all those people that think it's a big joke. And they don't think it's a big joke. Like, they're spending all their money at times their, or a large percentage of their savings they're making or one of their biggest yeah. purchases. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's stressful buying and selling a home. And when you treat it that way, people aren't, I mean, the sophisticated people or even the regular consumer, they're not, they're going to say, well, this, if this is a joke to them. What's it going to be like when I actually buy or sell a house? So I don't know if you've dug into it at all. Shifting gears a little bit, that lawsuit, that class action lawsuit. That, yes, I did see that. Any thoughts on that? so what I'm talking about is there's a seller Guy's from Minnesota, right? He's from Minnesota, put together a class action lawsuit against four of the biggest brokerages in the country, as well as NAR. So it was Keller Williams. It was, I think Remax was in the mm -hmm. yeah. in the lawsuit, BHHS, mm -hmm. and somebody else, and then and then NAR. Alleging that basically the whole thing's a racket, he's saying, the whole real estate yes. industry, that you know, agents are forcing sellers to pay a buyer broker 
And so he wants to do this class action lawsuit, go back four years and recollect buyer commissions, which would be basically insane. And it'd be billions of dollars and give them back to sellers. It'd be, it'd be pretty crazy if that actually happened. Um, so, I, I, you know, what, what he's eliminating from the lawsuit is that when you have all the buyer agents bring their clients through, it usually helps you get a better price for your home. I mean, I, I don't right. think there's any... Any, any question about that, there's tons of documentation. You look at Keeping Current Matters, some of these other places. And secondly, no one's forcing them to sign the contract. This is something people do. When yeah. a contract gets signed, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know what you do. I'm like, hey, here's what we're going to pay the other agent. Very clear. We tell them extremely clear what the commission is in total. Yes. And then what the commission split is yep. in terms of buyer broker and you know, listing, listing broker. Agent, yeah, listing broker. Yeah. So to me, I mean, there is an epidemic right now in our entire country where nobody reads anything they sign. Mm -hmm. And I, that is especially with e-signing. Well, and, and some agents don't explain it. They say, Hey, I sent you the docs. Call me if you got any questions. Um, uh, so they don't walk them through the contract or say, Hey, if you know, and, I mean, I send the contracts before I meet with somebody, I tell them to read through them and then we kind of go over them again. Yep. But people don't read anything they sign, and then they're shocked when they find out what's in there. And I'm not saying this happened to this guy, but they're, they're, if you did not participate with agents working with buyers, because buyers, they want agents working with them, because this is, you know, you go to a, a, into a divorce. You're not hiring your, your wife's divorce attorney, right? I mean, seriously. So it, it, it's... A point. Well, but it, the whole yeah. reason buyer agency came about was to protect the buyers. Mm -hmm. And this guy had to buy the home at some point. He didn't file the suit then, so why, it, it just, you know, it, it's, it's, it's pretty one-sided. I mean, again, you know, I think there's like six law firms working on it or something. And for sure, buyers are going to pay more or theoretically overpay for a property in a, you know, in an environment where they're not paying their agent, mm -hmm. their broker directly, right? Yeah. So they feel like they've got more money to spend and they're not calculating it by a certain percentage and you may get them to pay double what you would pay a buyer broker. So what's what your, that split is. What's your average sale price in your market? Our average, well, in our market, the certain towns range from either like, you know, 250 the price point in America, but all the way up to like four. Our average sale on our team is 400,000. Okay, so that's higher than ours. Ours is about 330. So let's say it's 300, right? Okay. So like appeal to the whole country. And a normal, not to talk about commissions, that's a big no-no, that's not what I'm doing, but a normal commission could be anywhere from, you know, two and a half, three percent, if, if you want to call it anything. It could be, yeah. It could be, maybe not, I don't know. So what's Should what's, we say two and a half um, gummy bears? Yeah, so know? let's say two and a half gummy bears, right? So you have two and a half gummy bears, but if your down payment is, you're putting 20% down on that $300,000 home, yep. so you need 60K, and then you come up with an additional two and a half gummy bears? That's going to affect directly what you pay for the home because the down payment's pretty fixed, but then you got closing costs and everything else. So they're going to say, well, we don't have enough down money anymore. So it comes out of the down money that's going to drop the price. I mean, this is a simple mathematical equation. The, there would be far less people approved for the homes that they want to buy, right? They might be approved exactly, at a lower yeah. number, but they're not going to move into that house because their cash to they're going to keep renting. Yeah. It's, well, it's going to be more, which is going to cause them, you know, I mean the 20% or the 10% or whatever it's, I mean, I could sit down and break down the math. I think we've gotten our point across. I absolutely understand what you're saying, <laughs> right? You certainly, I mean, FHA loans, you put down three and a half, three and a half percent. 
right? So a lot so, of people are maxing out what they can and put down. They're literally coming and they're saying, I only have this three and a half percent to put down and they're financing all their closing costs. So at a starter level home, that's a lot of times where the deals are coming from or it's 5% down or, or something yeah. like that. If you have to start adding on these additional fees, they're going to have to get paid out of pocket. I mean, that, that money's got to show up at settlement. You can't finance this. So the, the one segue from this, and I think the lawsuit's you know, a complete racket if we were on the real world. It would, it would, I would definitely classify you, that as a, like a tennis racket. Do you guys play yeah, badminton over there? It, that is a complete, it's a racket missing like all of the strings Got and it. everything in it. It's just, it's just a joke. But segueing off that a, a little bit, if you had to fight the case for the average agent, the value of a buyer's agent, right? If you were the average agent, what would you do to sell your value as representing a buyer, like what's your pitch? Because we know that the average agent right now taking buyers out is literally collecting the list from their client and getting lockbox codes and opening doors. And then to your point, sending them a contract that they're never going to read and they're going to e-sign. So how should those agents re like position themselves when they're, you know, we, we know how to position ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. And certainly uh, if you're a successful listing agent, you've got your game down yeah. on, on pitching your value from the listing side. But the average buyer agent that just works, you know, 10 to 20 buyers a year, whatever it is. So one is understanding of how the process works. Because a lot of people think you just get in the car, you look at houses, you pick one, and then amazing, you're in the house. Amazing things happen. They don't know things, and we're in different states, so this might not apply, but they don't know deposit money requirements, time frames to complete inspections, response time for negotiating inspections, how much time you have to file a mortgage application, what lenders not to talk to when you're getting a mortgage, That's what a lenders you want to talk to. Um, so understanding how the process works and, and walking them through, hey, here's how we get from this meeting today to buying on your home. Here's the big steps. I want to walk you through this and make sure you understand. And here's some hacks. Another skill is navigating the market and negotiating offers. That's the big I mean, one. That, that, there, That's there's the no big question here. I got a call yesterday from, it was, it was like, a, like a fourth degree referral something. And the kids went out, didn't talk to their dad, and, and used a friend. And the dad's like, what the heck are you doing? You should have called myself. Well, I've, I've done a couple of transactions with the family, and it was whatever. That's not the point. They said, we're in a multiple offer situation. We're getting no guidance on what to do. And because I believe in helping people, I said, here's what I would tell them. And if this works out, great. And if not, why don't we maybe set up a call where we could actually talk about how we could help them? Because mm -hmm. the, the, the deadline was like 4 o'clock yesterday. Got to love the Sunday deadlines. I mean, yep. just nonsense. But that's the market that we're in. And if you don't know, okay, well, what do you do in this multiple offer situation? How do you ask the right questions? How do you get as much intel as possible? That, to me, that's how you win every time because your goal is to get them the house. I think it's absolutely about understanding how to get the deal done in a negotiation. And if you can market that as being your ability and separating yourself from the pack who's just opening doors, you're going to get more buyers. And you're going to get buyers that are like, you're worth every penny of what you're getting paid. And I would even consider as a buyer, I know the seller's possibly paying your commission, but I would even consider doing that as a buyer because when you negotiate and navigate 
these whatever it's multiple offers or whatever these situations or like a short sale i mean you've totally now, different kind of kind of negotiation but you got to know how to handle that you've put money in their pocket if you've gotten your buyer a short sale and been able to navigate you know obviously the seller's uh, needs but also the bank's approval on you getting the deal you definitely put instant equity into your buyer's pocket mm -hmm. and that's when you're worth every single penny well, and and how often if someone says, I want to live on this street in this part of town, you may only get one shot at that for mm -hmm. six to 12 months, yep. um, maybe, and depending on where it is. And, and so, I, you know, it's, it's, it's knowing how to negotiate or having the backup behind that person to help them. So like someone joining a team, hey, you know what, maybe it's my first or second one, but I know who I can call and they can tell me what to do or give me the advice and then I can handle it. That, that's where the value is because buying a home is – it's tough being a buyer right now. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, 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 especially if you're in that bread and butter, move up or trade up sort of market where it gets premium luxury different. I mean, the market, the market's, you know, operating a little differently up there, but even then you have to know, okay, the market's softer at the premium luxury level right now. This is documented. Here's how we need to approach this. And I like what you said there. The smart team players are absolutely using that line. Like, Hey, I've been in this situation twice. Got somebody on the team that's been in the situation 25 plus times. The same exact situation that you're in right now. Mm -hmm. Let me get the information and help you figure this out. A hundred percent. And people would rather hear you say that than give them some BS excuse. Or you, you tell them what you think is right and then it costs them the house. Yeah. Yeah, n absolutely. So l let's wrap this thing up. I know you're going, what are you, Peloton, Peloton biking tonight? Yeah, yeah. Well, our, our buddy Scott Compa, the CEO of Peloton. <laughs> this is the CEO. Is I, it Peloton? Uh, it's Peloton. You got All the right, Tom Ferry pronunciation. He says Peloton as well. He does? I'm sorry. Well, I've only been on the bike once. I'm going to join you guys tomorrow morning. You're going to get yelled at this time by the instructor? That was. That I, was I believe good. I will. You know, because. Slow well, down, no. boss, man. I've got, I've got it all figured out now. I got your little the gimmicks down. I got the tricks it was figured pretty, out. I got a kick out of it. No, it's pretty intense. <laughs> Let's wrap this up uh, this way because we are going to Sales Edge tomorrow. We're going to be here for three days. How many times have you been to Sales Edge? I want to say this is my fifth time being yep. here. I, I think this is my fourth. I was telling these guys this morning. I, I think I'm, it's my I'm fourth I'm much happier time. it's not in Secaucus, New Jersey. Let me tell you. I've been I've been there. That's Brooklyn, major upgrade. Yeah, this, this is an upgrade for, from New Jersey. I didn't mind like Massachusetts, you know, because you have less traffic and all that kind of stuff. But I, I'm totally cool. Anywhere I can drive, I'm totally cool because we can do cool stuff like this. I didn't have to drive, but I also didn't have to take a plane. Yeah, I could have taken the train. Train to train, it was pretty easy. But, okay, so this is your fifth time. This is my fourth time. Why are you back to the same conference? It's the same exact content, basically, except you know the panels will be different. There'll be a little bit of different I, I, content. There's, there's been a couple changes, but yeah, same idea. Overall, yeah. same idea. Why are you back at something for the fifth time? I'm trying to build a dynasty. Dynasties do things more than two or three times. Um, and all, all kidding aside, that's a great. That's a great line. We are so committed to our skills at our team, and now it's not just about me. I don't know anyone that can effectively lead a team and say, hey, you guys should go to this conference, but I'm not. Mm -hmm. That just does, that, that, that doesn't compute for me. Um, so we, want, we look for everyone to go once a year to stay sharp because it's one thing to role play and do all that stuff every day. Coming here will change the way you approach your business. I told these guys. Best Tom Ferry event of the year. Better than Summit. I've told Tom this myself on record. This is the one you need to go to. Yeah, if you're thinking about any Tom Ferry event and sales that just come to your area, I would definitely jump on it. But I, like I told everybody that's coming here for the first time on my team, 
I said, these three days will put you in advance three months into the future. Mm -hmm. All the role playing that we do on a daily basis, you're not going to get this type of impact in a short spurt. And it's the repetition, right? Like you've got professional athletes that have been shooting free throws since they were five years old, still taking two hours before game, 82 games a year to shoot free throws, shooting free throws at practice, the repetition so that when the lights turn on, you're ready to go. It's muscle memory. I mean, and the reality is everyone gets like objections to the big thing people are scared of. There's like 10 of them. Yeah. And when you, you know boil how, it all down. If you know how to do that and you can hear it and, and people almost give them to you verbatim every yeah. time. And if you can get that and you hear that, instead of getting scared, you're like, I got this. I'm going to schedule an appointment because all an objection is it's, it's a gift, right? But it's someone saying, I want to do business with you. I need to get some questions the, answered. The best quote in <laughs> real estate history came on a 5 a.m. call. If you're not familiar with 5 a.m. call, go to 5 a.m. call.com and check it out and sign up and listen to the podcast and all that good stuff. But Tom says, objections are a gift. There's something beautiful. And the beautiful part I added in, the gift thing I heard from my very first coach, Carl Rizzuto, and if... I mean, he was on, I don't, you were doing a panel at the same time, but he and I did this like live objection handling and it was like Yoda and then like, like just doing like this Jedi mind tricks. I mean, he, he's, he's amazing at it way better than me. Um, I'm a little more demonstrative, but I mean, he like, I almost like signed a listing contract with him at the, at the session. He's that good. So he said gifts. I think I added the beautiful part just to give credit where credit is due. But it's it's your opportunity then to take the skills, mm -hmm. take the training that you've been going through every single day and put them into action. That's why they're such a gift. That's why they're beautiful because you can use everything you've been doing in that moment. And the majority of people shy away from them. They get nervous. They don't know what to say. I mean, what's a classic one? I don't want to give the home away. Hey, great. That's never happened in the history of real estate. Right. No one has ever done that before. So I will make sure that doesn't happen to you. And you move on and handle the next question. People get, they're like, oh, I can't believe they said this again. Well, you're not handling it right. That's right. That's right. Especially if you hear it over and over again. All right. Love, love for you guys to leave some comments in the comment box, no matter where you're listening or watching this. Also, if you haven't subscribed to this YouTube channel, please hit the subscribe button and look in the links uh, the description rather for Tom's links and check out his channel as well. See you guys.